Welcome to Like Wildflowers, a podcast where we have revolutionary conversations on topics that challenge the status quo, so we as individuals and as a collective can grow wild. My hope for each episode is to make the parallel between wildflowers and you. Let me briefly explain. Wildflowers are in your backyard. Some people will call them weeds, find them undesirable, and want to get rid of and avoid them in any way they can. So they rip them from the ground and spray toxic chemicals. But year after year, the wildflowers are back, stronger and taller than ever. The parallel here is that you are a wildflower, and some people will see you and what you're doing in life as undesirable. But you, like wildflowers, keep going and keep growing. My intention with this podcast is to inspire you to be your own wildflower by starting these conversations, sharing stories, and offering tools to help you grow wild in all areas of life. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Like Wildflowers. I am your host, Jessica Sage, and today I am sharing a conversation with Carrie Lou Cowell, an ethical dating coach for nerds. Carrie helps self-identified nerds accept and love themselves and others so they can have their most romantic life. And I'm super excited to connect with Carrie today and start diving into this very, very important conversation around dating. So hi, hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking. So like, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Awesome. Yes. I love that. That's why I started a podcast. I'm like, I have way too much to say to try to fit into Instagram's restrictions. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm super, super excited to talk to you. Like I've been waiting for like weeks since we first connected to talk with you. Um, I actually, like, as soon as you like replied to my ad looking for people, I was so excited. Like, I'm like, I need to talk to her immediately because love and relationships have always been very, very important to me. But like, to be honest, I've not always gone about them in a very respectful and ethical way. And now that I've done my own growing and healing, um, I am, I'm in a like long-term relationship and I'm also wanting to explore non-monogamy, but do it in the right way. And so I'm really excited to chat with you and to hear your insight and to get some inspiration from you. So I guess to get started, I would like to ask you a like wildflowers signature question, which is what is your favorite flower? I, I love flowers, but my, I have two, my two favorite flowers are peonies and Gerbera daisies. Mm, I can't picture a peony right now, but I love daisies. I think they're so <laughs> like simple and delicate. Oh, they're just so beautiful. So beautiful. I love, so I have a really big personality. It's very colorful. (laughs) If you ever meet me in real life, or I'm sure you can tell from like this podcast, but like, um, I just love anything that has a lot of color to it, like big, bold, vibrant colors. So like anything that has that, which are usually those flowers, like they're my favorite. Mm, I love that. I can, I can sense that you're like, you have like a very big, bold personality. So I love that. Like what you vibe with aligns with that. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so do you mind sharing a little bit about like who you are? Like who is Carrie and what is she into? Like what nerdy stuff are you into? Um, and of course, like, how did you get into ethical dating? Yeah. So let's start there because that might be the easiest thing. Um, So I actually recently changed my title and like before we started recording, I was like, did I tell her? And I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. Um, But I changed my title to ethical love coach for nerds because I felt like, yes, I'm still focusing on like dating and romance, but love expands through so many different relationships and like paradigms that we hold. It's not like we just love our husband or wife. It's not our spouse or whatever. It's not like we just love our romantic partners or our sexual partners. Like we love our parents. At least some of us do. Um, (laughs) We love our family or our chosen family. Um, You know, and we love our friends. So like 
everything that I teach comes from this lens of love. And yes, that includes dating, but when you view life through this lens of love and through ethical love specifically, it enhances all of your relationships, not just your romantic and your sexual ones. So that's, that's the tiny title change, but really what got me into it is like, I grew up in a very toxic family, which is absolutely why I said like, you know, some of us love our parents. Cause I don't actually think that's true for me. But from a very young age, like I was in therapy. I have a fun story about that. It's definitely not safe for work. Um, but so maybe we can get to that later. But um, I've been in therapy since I was nine and I'm 38. So that's like three decades of my life. And I really feel like that set me up for success in like love and relationships and dating when I was ready to do that because there were first of all, I already knew like my parents' relationship was very toxic, like with me in between them. Um, my grandma also lived with us, mom on mom's side. So like between all three of them, you know, the entire family was toxic. And I was able to look at that and be like, this is not, I don't think this is what love is supposed to be like. And I don't think this is what love is supposed to feel like. So like the majority of my life, like even outside of therapy was kind of it wasn't kind of, it was just like looking at like, well, what does love mean? What, what, what is this? Like, and what is it supposed to look like? And what is it supposed to feel like? And as I grew older and as I started getting into romantic relationships and like most of the time, our romantic relationships mirror the familial relationships that we had growing up and allow us to, if we choose, heal like all of the wounds that we have from our childhoods in that familial unit and so like it was some very patient exes self-help books and like my own therapy and really just like having this curiosity about like what is love what is life like what does this all mean what is it supposed to look like or feel like that really like brought me to this place where I am today as like an ethical love and dating coach because I feel like even just like and the more I grow older and the more educated I become on these topics, it's kind of like I can't unsee what I see. You know what I mean? Like there's so much harm that we cause to ourselves and then inadvertently to other people when we're dating. And I think that's where it's like magnified the most, which is why I love looking at it. Because for me, dating was always very easy. And I fully believe it's because I had all of these like huge shifts in terms of like how I viewed relationships and what I knew I wanted from relationships in general, like growing up. And most people don't have that. And most people don't even like realize like that there are shifts that kind of need to be made and like what their own patterns are and whether or not you even want to call them toxic is kind of neither here nor there, but just like how they affect other people. Like a lot of us are not aware of that. And it does take time and effort and patience with yourself to one, get yourself out of being toxic to you. And two, then realizing like, oh, of course, if I'm toxic to myself, I'm probably also in some way going to be toxic to other people. And that's not saying like, I totally don't believe the trope that like, you have to love yourself fully before anyone can love you. Like, that's so not true. Like I didn't love myself for a very long time. And like loads of people love me. Like everybody loves me, right? <laughs> like I wouldn't be where I'm at today if that wasn't true. And at the same time, like I absolutely know. And even still today, like there are behaviors that I have that I either didn't work on when I was younger or that I'm still working through because healing is a spiral that cause harm to others, even though I don't mean it, but like we learn how to love by rote from the family environment that we grew up in. So there are going to, behave, to be behaviors that come out that do harm other people because that's how we were taught to love. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. wow, I love everything you just said and I, I just have so many things to reply. So first thing, I love the like title change because even when I was looking through your content and getting ready, I was like, you know, all of this information is going to be beneficial, not only for our romantic and sexual relationships, but like for all relationships, for our friendships, for like who we, who we're neighbors with, you know, for our parents, our siblings, it's 
for so many people. And I love that you switched it into love and like understanding and acknowledge that there's so many different kinds of love other than just romantic. And we get to like dabble in all of the love, not just the love that we think we have to accept. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. The next thing is I love that you're in your story and through your work, you're helping people like, you know, ask the questions of like, what does love even mean? Like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What is it supposed to look like and feel like? And I think love is one of those things that we all have our own little definitions for, right? Because like you said, Mm -hmm. we all come from such different backgrounds where love is expressed in so many different ways. And so of course our definitions for love and what it looks like and what it means are going to be different. Um, So I love that you're asking the questions and you're helping people figure out like, well, what does love look like and feel like for you? Not what it looked like for your mom or your grandparents or for your neighbors, but for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing is I just really want to thank you for normalizing that we inadvertently cause harm to other people. this was something that I had to work through and honestly still am working through because in my relationship history, I was the one who was cheating. I was the one who was lying and manipulating and not expressing my needs and expecting them to give me everything. And through all of that, like I hurt them and I've hurt people. I've I've really hurt people. And like, of course, then I'm like, well, if I hurt people, like, do I deserve the love that I want? And so I just love that you're normalizing it and you're saying like, no, like it happens. And it's not out of like, spite it's not at it's like a not not a purposeful thing it's just something that we unfortunately learned and now we have to do the process and like unlearn everything yes and I think that's so important to remember though too is that like it yes unlearning everything and unlearning the process but also like hurting people is really just a part of the human condition like we because everybody is so different and complex and nuanced and we all like live inside our own head for the most part, right? Like, of course, we're always going to be projecting ourselves onto other people and situations and our perception is going to be colored by everything that we've been through. So like, it's not eradicating harm because I don't even know if that's possible as like a human being, like maybe when we're all dead and like in enlightened space or something, but like not here on this earth, on this plane as a human in this body. Like, I don't think it's something that we should even work to achieve, but what we can work towards is like causing less harm and repairing when we do cause harm. And I think that's like the most important piece to remember because humans are going to cause harm. It's just like part of who we are as human beings. So the question then becomes, well, I caused harm and now what do I do to repair it? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's so important. Um, And that's something that I've had to work through myself, even like as I'm working through this podcast and like, oh, I don't, I want to have these conversations, but will, will it harm someone? Will it trigger someone? And I have to remember like, maybe it will, Maybe it will. And if, and if I do, how do I fix it? How do I apologize and make sure that like, I'm not harming them in the future. So speaking of harm, you had mentioned how like our current models of dating and love are harmful, not only to us, but toward others. And I would love to dive into that and like, get your insight on like, how is modern dating harmful to us? where I'm like, I have so much to say on this and I'm so passionate about it. So let's start with a little history lesson because I am a feminist at my core. I've been like, when I was like in middle school, I was like a card carrying member of now. So this is just like in my blood. And so recently I picked up this book called, what was it called? Labor of Love. And it is like, um, the history of dating written by a woman who's a feminist. And, you know, she's done all the research and read all of the like scholarly studies and things like that. So I don't have to. So thank you, Moira Weichel, who's the lady who wrote this book. Um, and it's like, first of all, there's just inherent harm in the system because the system was built, the system of dating was built in a patriarchal, misogynistic, society um, and all of the other systemic problems that we have in this world, right? Um, And I don't even think, I'm only about halfway through the book, but she doesn't really even touch on like 
uh, minority populations or underserved populations because they're honestly like there's just not as much research on it to be totally honest but like dating started in like the late 1800 early 1900s when women were going into the city to find work as like shop girls um they mostly talk about shop girls so i don't know if they were also doing like secretarial work like back during that time period but the reason that dating started was because these women wanted the finer things in life like the expensive whiskey or the tickets to the theater or you know the cute dress or whatever and or the nice dinner and they couldn't afford them because they were being paid less and they could barely afford their rent so like what are you gonna do you're a shop girl you're gonna make yourself look real nice so that you can get a man to take you out so you can have these luxuries in life and i feel like this is still present like whether you're cis hetero whatever monogamous polyamorous it doesn't matter it's still present in the way that we date today and if you just look at like the media it's always like or even like social media right like hashtag couple goals and it's like this beautiful couple on a beach who's like they look like they're madly in love and they're like kissing or whatever like he's lifting her up but like i love rom-coms as like just my fluffy brain like entertainment but also they're really annoying because you watch and it's like all this drama of course because it's entertainment. And if there wasn't any drama, there wouldn't be a story. If there wasn't any conflict, there wouldn't be a story. But like all of this conflict comes from not communicating and not being authentic and honest in like their desires. So of course that's going to cause harm because you think about like, I'm trying to remember, it's an old movie with like JLo and like, I wanna say like Ashton Kutcher or something like that. And she's like his boss and he like, it might've been Sandra Bullock, I don't remember, but he like pretends to be her boyfriend um, over the holidays or whatever. So her family leaves her alone, but then they end up falling in love because of course they do. And then, but there's this big, huge thing where there's like all of this miscommunication and like not expressing desires and like, not talking about anything. So there's this big fallout and then they get back together at the end. So if anyone knows what that movie is, please let me know because I don't remember it now. I kind of want to watch it again. But like we are sold these narratives from a very, very young age, even like in Disney movies, like all of the Disney princess movies, it's like, wait until your prince comes and saves you. Or I mean, like even thinking about like, something like Mulan there's a love story in Mulan when really like the you know the actual story is about this uh woman who was saving her family essentially right and like doing the best thing for her family and like even like tangled right like it's like oh I also still want you to take care of me even though I can take care of myself right so it's it's really this like constant seeking for like approval this constant seeking of attention and affection, which those things are not bad, but I think the way that we're taught how to relate to other people in the world, it it's our society, Western society lauds codependency as opposed to interdependency, which is, so the difference, I think we all know what codependency is, but like interdependency is really saying like, I've got myself and also because I'm human, I need support. But if you can't give that to me, I can either get it from somewhere else or get it for myself until you are able to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if I'm like being totally honest, that's kind of like where I'm at in my current relationship right now, because I feel like the partnership I'm not getting specific needs met and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, does that mean like I have to break up with him now? Like, are we not working out? Um, and like, you know, and so now I'm at the point of like, hey, like if you can't like give me this need, that's fine. I'm going to stop pressuring you. But mm -hmm. 
if you can't give it to me, I would like to go explore and see if someone else can. And now we're trying to navigate like, okay, like if, if everything is out on the table, like, what does that mean for us now? And it's been such a journey so far. I mean, we just started talking about this like three weeks ago, but it's been such a journey because both of us have like these ideas of like what relationships should look like and how we should relate to each other and love each other and like support each other. Right. Um, and of course, like we have all of these like stories and narratives mm -hmm. coming up that are kind of like putting these roadblocks in the way of like us trying to figure out like, well, what is going to be best for us? Not what's best for, again, society, what society thinks it should be or what our parents and our families think it should be based on their families, like, you know, um, so yeah, like that's, that's kind of like what's coming up for me as you say that and yeah, I'm just in it. Like what you're, what you're totally. explaining right now, like I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. And I love, cause I know you had mentioned earlier about polyamory, which I'm ethically non-monogamous. Um, and so ethical non-monogamy, and I do actually have a lot of clients who are interested exploring or are either ethically non-monogamous or kinky or both. Um, and that really is like kind of what I teach through is that lens of like ethical non-monogamy and kink, because both of those things have like guidelines to follow if you want to be ethical, right? Cause you can be non-monogamous and not ethical. Um, but especially mm -hmm. with kink, because there are like safety risks involved, like there are guidelines that you, you should be following. And I don't love the word should, but you should be, if you want to make sure that everyone's like, not just alive, but like sane and safe and everybody's consensual. So like, it is so important and it doesn't matter if you're like polyamorous or monogamous or like whatever it doesn't matter what you are like we all can learn how to have better relationships through these guidelines because it is about like one deconditioning yourself from the narratives that you've been told and taught growing up and i think most of us who have grown up in this um western society have been taught like men are the providers and the protectors and women are supposed to like take care of the house or like whatever that looks like, right? Like obviously it's 2021, so that is not the same. Um, and I know a lot of people get confused by that, but it's just like expanding those definitions of like what it means to receive and provide and also recognizing that everybody has all of the energies in them in differing amounts. Um, I'm non-binary, so I don't love using those non-binary terms, but for sake of ease, we might use them here. Um, I usually like to talk about just energy in general because we have all of this energy. And if you want to call it masculine and feminine, that's fine. I generally tend to use like directive, receptive or action oriented and like lunar. Um, but we all have them in differing amounts. It's just, are you more receptive or are you more action oriented? Like I am a non-binary woman. So like, do I feel like I'm female? Most of the time, yes. And like, I've always said, I'm a female with very heavy masculine energy because I am very directive. Like I'm a very directive action oriented person. My, like I'm here on this planet to do things. Like that is my directive to do. And it took a lot of like, my own education and deconditioning myself around like even just like questioning like well does that mean I'm like more male or does that mean this well no it just means I'm a very directive feminine presenting person and like my husband is so much more the caretaker than I am and it doesn't mean he's not providing for me he is, he's just providing for me by like doing the dishes and walking the dog and like mowing the lawn or like whatever. Right. And it's really like having the ability, like deconditioning yourself from whatever it was that you were taught. And then having the ability to be in that like fluidness of life and the expansiveness of the labels that we do have. And then really looking at, is this for me? And being okay if that changes, because like sometimes monogamy works for me. I think at the core, I'm ethically, I know at the core, I'm ethically non-monogamous. And I also have a lot of trauma that I grew up with. So there are 
definitely connection issues there and safety issues there for me. So, so like, I do need like, and I love the term anchor partner because it absolutely describes like what the relationship is that I have with my husband where like, obviously we're sharing all these life things together and uh, he is my anchor, right? Like he's my safe space to come back home to, but I can go out and explore the world and know that I have, like, it's a little weird because it is kind of like if we're talking, um, my background's in therapy and I used to work with kids. So if we're talking like attachment styles, which I have a lot to say about that too, but, (laughs) (laughs) but if we're talking about attachment in like young children, it's the same thing. They do the same thing. They're parent is their anchor. And they're like, this is my safe space, but I can go off and explore. And then when I don't feel safe, I can go back to my mom or my dad, right? Assuming the relationship is healthy, of course. Um, so it really is like looking at what are the behaviors that I've just put on? Cause I was told that's what I'm supposed to put on. And does that actually work for me? And if it does great, like, cool, like kudos to you, like live your baddest, best life. And if it doesn't, then it's really about exploring, okay, if this doesn't work, this is not authentically who I am. So, so then what, what's the next thing? What, what, what is authentically who I am? Yeah. It sounds like there's so much exploration and experimentation in this process and I'm all for that. (laughs) Um, yeah, man. I, again, I'm like just absorbing everything that you're saying and like trying to take notes, not taking notes. (laughs) Um, but the one thing that you mentioned is like, you know, non-monogamy not working for you in some seasons of your life and it working in other seasons. And I think that's just so beautiful because we are cyclical beings and like what works for us this year might not be working for us next year. And Mm -hmm. I also think it's important. What you said is like, you know, what works for you is not going to work for another person. So it's like, there's differences in both like what we need and then there's differences and how that could look like for other people as well. Um, and I think those are just very important things to keep in mind as we are exploring our relationships, whether they're non-monogamous or not. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And I, I think, again, if you are monogamous, like looking at all of your past relationships, because I think we've all had at least one relationship where we're like, there's nothing wrong, but like we've outgrown each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's normal because people grow at different rates. And sometimes people are in our life for a season and sometimes people are in our life forever. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if we've outgrown each other and we're not going on the same path, then yeah, we have to end it. And I think, um, I don't know what triggered this. It was something that you said earlier. And I was like, oh, I have to leave this till later. But like, I get asked a lot, like, well, how do you get over an ex? And I, I always say like, you don't, you don't like you grieve that relationship Mm -hmm. or the ending of that relationship, because like, you know, like a death, it's still sad. It still hurts. Like there's still things to grieve. And it's not like you just stop loving that person. Like I have had some very toxic relationships, like literally abusive relationships with, uh, you know, a couple exes of mine. And it's like, I may, I may not like them. Like they're not my favorite people in the world. And like, one of them is married and I'm always like, God, I hope your relationship with your wife is better than ours because ours was complete shit. And it was really toxic for both of us. But the thing is like different energies, between people react differently. It's like chemistry, right? Like literally like chemistry. If you put like, I'm not a chemist, so I'm making shit up. But if you put like, um, I don't know, like helium in with hydrogen, it's gonna explode or whatever, you know what I mean? I don't actually know if that's true. So don't, don't take my word for that. But like, if you mix certain chemicals, they explode. And I totally believe that was the case with me in this abuse of eggs. And that doesn't mean that he's going to be like that with everybody. And it also doesn't mean that I don't still love him because if I didn't still have at least some sort of feelings for him, I wouldn't be checking out his Facebook page with his new wife, right? Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But there's also a difference between like loving someone, which is like caring for their well being and like, you know, hoping for the best for them and liking someone. Like, I don't like him. I would never get involved with him in any way ever again, even in like a platonic way. Um, and I mean, it might even be to the point where if we were at a party together, I've never thought about this. I'm just thinking about this now, but if we like happen to be at a party together, I might just leave. Cause I don't, I don't like him. I don't want to be anywhere around him. And there's still a piece of me that cares for him. So it's like, this is the other reason why I like changed my title because love is so encompassing that like, I think so many people beat themselves up when they're like, this person is shitty. Why do I love them? But the difference is let that emotion be that emotion. Like we don't really have, like we have control over our actions. Our emotions are just going to be what they are. And you can say like, yeah, I love them. Maybe you're even still in love with them. I know I, I was in love with my abusive ex for quite some time after we ended things, but that doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with them of any kind. Mm -hmm. yes I this is so important and I think it's like important to also note that like this isn't just like your exes this is like your toxic friends your toxic Mm -hmm. mom right um Um, it just reminds me of I'm sure I saw it on Instagram but like that quote of like hey you can still love someone and set boundaries like and know mm -hmm. that they're not good for you or your well-being And, you know, I have like questioned and kind of shamed and judged myself for still having feelings for someone that I broke up with like freaking seven years ago. But the thing is, is like, we still shared experiences. We still shared conversations. Like we shared life together for a little bit. So like, of course I still love you. Of course I still care for you. It's just in a different way. Right. Where we're both yeah. like, you know, we're both like doing our own things in life. Um, we don't talk to each other, but yeah, there are days where I'm like, oh, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. you know, are you still doing well? Cause again, like I might not like you anymore, but I still care. Like I still want, totally. I, I still hope that like you're doing well and that things are, you know, working out for you. And I, I really want to like, put that caveat in there. Like if you have actually been in an abusive relationship and you don't love your ex or like you hate them or whatever strong emotion you feel towards them, like that's totally okay. But really what I'm Mm -hmm. saying is like, and this is where the harm comes in, in terms of like dating and relationships and love is that in society, like we are taught like, oh, you should just be over him or, oh, you should just be over this or whatever. Right. And which leads to guilt and shame and imploding on yourself. And that's really what I'm saying is like, if you still have feelings for somebody, no matter who they they are, right? Or if something is confusing, cause like I guarantee you my relationship with my mother is confusing cause she was super toxic. And then sometimes she wasn't, it was never like consistent. And now she has Alzheimer's. So I'm just like, I don't even know how I feel, but all of that is okay. And to really like give yourself the same grace that you would give to your best friend, because I don't think there's anyone out there who like if their best friend came to them with these types of things, their best friend would be like, oh, well, what are you doing? Like, you're dumb. You shouldn't love this person anymore. You know what I mean? Like we might say, and I do feel like sometimes this comes in um, and I don't want to use the word toxic because I feel like that brings up a lot of like very dramatic ideas, but like, like a little t toxic, right? Like probably not the best uh, way to handle even like platonic relationships um, because it perpetuates like that implosion, right? But like, because I think a lot of people would be like, oh girl, like, you know, let's go get a drink or let's do this or let's like basically ignore the feelings, right? Like, and really like, I feel like the better thing is one like tuning into your body and your intuition because sometimes we do need to do that, right? Sometimes we do need to escape whatever those huge emotions are, or even like confusing emotions are or any emotions, honestly. Um, And that's okay, as long as you're still coming back and processing them. Yes, 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 yes. I 100,000% agree. Otherwise, you're just like emotionally or spiritually bypassing. And that's not helpful Mm -hmm. toward yourself or anyone else that's involved with you. Right, exactly. And 
again, it's not like we don't see it as harmful because that seems like it's normal. It's very normalized to do that. And at the same time, it's like, how can we help each other be better humans and really like root into our experience as human beings, which I mean, I hate to break it to you all, but part of being human is feeling all the emotions. So I mean, if we're, we're going to be on this earth and like be human and experience everything that is humanity, like we might as well feel these emotions. Yes, they may be painful. Yes, they may suck. But if we didn't have those lows or those lessons, we would never have like the joy and the excitement and the happiness and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always like to say that emotions are like duality, but also spectrum, right? Like you can't have happiness without some sadness. And then it's like, there's so many emotions in between happy and sad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really is life is very much about feeling all the things. And sometimes it doesn't feel safe to feel all the things like right in that moment. So like Mm -hmm. you were saying, like, yeah, like go take a break, do something, but come back to it and allow yourself to feel and allow yourself to process and learn from your feelings. Um, And I don't think, you know, I don't think a lot of people are taught that just like we're not given like a guidebook to dating. We're not given a guidebook to love. We're not given a guidebook to emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence or communication, like really anything, you know? Which are all so important when you're dating or in a relationship with anybody. (laughs) All so important. Yes. And I'm like, well, why weren't we taught this? Like, and then I'm like, cause there's a bigger fucking agenda and they don't want us to relate to each other in a healthy and ethical manner. Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Because it's all, I was actually, um, I'm going to pull up my phone real quick because I have it written down because I. I love writing things down because my brain can only hold so much information and I'm like, I'm just going to use my notes for everything, especially in 2021 when everything is on the internet or on my phone. Um, But I was really looking at my business and thinking about like, well, what is it? Like, what are my four pillars that are like the most important pillars of my business? And it really is so right. Like, what are the four most important pillars of love, dating and relationships? And it really is like, curiosity, mindset, uh, because I work with nerds, it's owning your nerd or authenticity, right? They're the same thing. And honesty, because it's being honest with yourself and whoever you're involved with on whatever level, right? Like whatever level it is ideal for your relationship, because it's going to differ between all of our relationships, but being honest with yourself and whoever it is that you're in relationship with, really owning yourself and your desires, having that mindset that like, I mean, again, depends on the situation, but like having that mindset of like, everything's working out for the greater good. And like, everybody loves me and I can be loved even if we're going through challenging conversations or challenging times. And then being curious, which kind of goes along with honesty, but being curious about yourself and why you act the way you do, why you feel the way you do, um, you know, again, going back to that conditioning piece and then being curious about the other person, not in a way of like, I'm going to fix you or I want to fix you, but being curious about like, oh, okay, why do you think that? Because it's that curiosity that creates connection because when you can look at somebody and be like, I know these things about you, but what else, what else is there? Why do you believe these things? Why do you feel this way? Um, how come, how come, so my friend Femily um, recently posted something on Instagram about having like deeper conversations, which is like one of my fave things is deep conversations. And she was saying, how come is better than why? Because sometimes people can feel really offended by the question why. I don't, I'm like a five-year-old child. I'm constantly asking why. And I understand that like, yes, some people are offended by why. So why or how come? And wanting to know more about whoever it is that you're interacting with, along with wanting to know more about yourself. And those are really like, that helps create these like better relationships, these deeper relationships, the relationships where you can feel safe being more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's the real couple goals, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Or partner goals or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like there, cause again, we're not just talking about like romantic relationships here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I love your pillars. I really do. And it's, it's funny. Cause I was actually talking about honesty in my journal this morning. Um, so I love that it's like part of your, your pillars. And I do, I think it's so important to be honest and like, to be honest from not a space where you're like triggered because like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like easy, right. When you're in this like escalated and reactive space to like right. say whatever's there. And you're thinking like, this is my honesty. This is my truth. And if you can't handle the truth, like you need to get the fuck out. Like, and that, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to come and like cultivate that kind of honesty. I want to cultivate the kind of honesty that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm hurt right now. I need some time to process. And like, after I've processed, like, then we can have a conversation where like, I'm back in a neutral space. I'm not like spitefully and sassily mm-hmm. saying things to you just to, just to hurt you while I'm like hurt and vulnerable. Um, yeah. And I, and again, like that's part of like emotional intelligence and healthy communication. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think all of your pillars, like they all like work together like they're they beautifully work together like individually and then they like work together synergistically mm-hmm. so I love well that. and that's that's what thank you and that's really the part about being honest with yourself and I also um I'm a big fan of nonviolent communication. I don't remember who Mm. came up with that. I want to say it's like Marshall Rosenberg, but I could be incorrect about like who like kind of penned that term, but it really is coming back to, this is what I feel. This is what I need. And sometimes, and this is coming from a person who is incredibly passionate and also grew up in a family full of fighters who yelled Mm. at each other all the time. Mm. And like, sometimes that pause is necessary. And sometimes like, if you're anything like me, that pause is your life's work. <laughs> and yeah, saying, seriously. Right. But then it's being honest with yourself about like, holy shit, I'm activated right now. I need a break. I need a pause. I need to mm-hmm. take time. So I don't, so I don't say anything that hurts you. Like how many of us have been in this space where we're so activated or so triggered that we just say whatever comes out of our mouths. And it's usually, at least for me, not like the nicest thing mm-hmm. or the kindest thing. It's just, and especially growing up in a toxic family, like I know how I know how to hurt with my words because that's what my mom did. So of course it's in there because that is what I learned subconsciously. And I think the thing like is people are always like, I don't understand what ethical dating means. Like what like what is that? Right. Like, but I think the thing is like everything that we've learned about relating and dating and love has been ingrained in us since we were born that like, of course, we're just moving along this track because why would we even question it, right? If it's something that we knew, quote unquote, since we were infants, what is there to question? The problem is there's everything there to question because we don't live in a society where we're told like to be honest or to express our desires. Like I love I don't know what I was about to say because it probably would have come off weird, but like, you know, I'm a big fan of telling people if all you want to do, like if your intention for dating is going out and just finding like one night stands or whatever, cool, good on you, go get that. But tell the people that you're dating, make it very clear. Like, I'm not looking for anything serious. I just want to have fun one night. Maybe I want a friends with benefits. Maybe I want like no strings attached because there are other people out there who would love that? Who would be totally for that? Or right. Like there would be people out there who are like, I don't really want that. Like, you know, for a, for everything, but like, while I'm looking for my, like for everything or whatever thing it is that you're looking for, right. Like your anchor partner or whatnot, I would love that. Like, that sounds really cool. Right. Like there are people out there who will be so much more amenable to you just being like, I just want a quick lay. Then if you're pulling like the pickup artist shit or like the, you know, beating around the bush or ghosting or like whatever other harmful behavior we have that's out there in the dating world. And even in the relationship world, like this seems crazy to me, but I know people who are like, oh, I was dating this guy for like six months or sometimes like three years. 
and then he just disappeared and I'm like who does that like I don't like I don't understand and I feel like a lot of that assuming no like personality disorders like a lot of that comes from there's something there that has triggered like guilt or shame or some mm -hmm. inability to express your wants and your desires. It's the same thing, obviously not on like as dramatic of a level, but it's the same thing when people are like, I have to wait to break up with them because it's their birthday or it's Valentine's day or, you know, their grandma just died or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like timing's a thing. And on some level, like people know and that you're going to break up with them. So it's just like, just do it. Like there's never a good time to break up with somebody because there's always going to be a birthday or, I mean, hopefully not always people are dying, but like, but there's always going to be something. So if we take away this shame and this guilt over being like, like whatever, over our desires and the change in those desires, then we'd ha have way less of this harmful behavior. Mm. I'm just imagining a world where we are all like ethically relating to each other. <laughs> it's It seems so beautiful and like a little bit out of reach. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thankful for you and other people who are having these conversations and like, telling people like wake up ask questions you know like yes. explore yes. experiment figure out what's working for you because I do think so much of society and maybe not society but the way that we relate to society is like this is what you should be doing this is how you should think act and feel and like mm -hmm. when we're not think acting and feeling in those ways then we're shaming ourselves we're blaming ourselves we're judging mm -hmm. ourselves right and yeah. like all of this that we're talking about like it's like social conditioning right so we have mm -hmm. to like come out of that in order mm -hmm. to experience more love and more romance and more friendship and all these things that we've been talking about and so i guess my question for you is like now that we know that we can do things a different way now that we know that ethical dating is a thing and ethical love and all the things like now that we know that those things exist like how does someone start to break out of like the conditioning that they've been holding on to for so long and start stepping into this space of ethical relating. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you just said it, you start with you because you are the root, right? You're the root of everything. And it really is questioning everything and giving yourself a shit ton of grace because it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. There may be a lot of guilt and shame involved because, you know, you look at it and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I allowed myself to do that. Or, you know, I can't believe I did that thing. And then really come back to like, okay, if my best friend came to me with this, like, what would I say to them? Because it is so important if you want to do this work to move through that guilt and shame and really accept like, yeah, this was who I was. I didn't know any better at the time. I mean, if we want to talk about ethical non-monogamy, like the reason I, so I've been ethically non-monogamous since I was like, maybe like 20 years old. And the reason I came to that was because I cheated a lot. Like when I, I mean, I was 17. So like, I feel like that's like pretty normal for a 17, maybe not normal, but like, you know, forgivable for a 17 year old. But like, I knew it was wrong. And instead of imploding on myself and being like, I'm the worst thing ever, I'm going to keep this a secret because that's where shame comes from. Shame comes from mm -hmm. keeping secrets. I would immediately go. So like ethics has always been a part of my life, but I would immediately go to my partner at the time and be like, oh, hey, <laughs> I did this thing. Let's talk about it. Right. And that that's probably why I don't feel shame, because even though I know conversations are hard or painful or challenging, I'm still like, I need to do this because it would feel bad and wrong if I didn't. And it's, you know, the past is the past. It's going to be what it is, but I'm not beating myself up over, I cheated. In fact, finding ethical non-monogamy when I was that young, because the whole time I'm like, well, I love a lot of people, 
Sometimes I love them in a sexual or romantic way, even though I'm with somebody else. There has to, the question was, there has to be a better way. What's the better way? And then of course, like I get all this information because when you start asking those questions, the answers come to you. Mm-hmm. And it really is like, I never felt guilt or shame because I had talked about those things. I had not kept them a secret. But if you had, maybe that means you do some reparations with the people in your past. Maybe it doesn't because sometimes that's not possible or safe or like whatever, but then you do reparations with yourself and you root into accepting. This is what I did. I recognize it was hurtful to to me or to whoever. I am not this person now. What do I need to move forward what well two questions what do I need to heal right and repair things within myself or maybe with the other person if that's an option and then what do I need to move forward Mm, I love that piece and that's that's important because that's that's what we're looking to do right is to grow and to evolve Mm -hmm. in these ways so yes ask the questions and like get curious but also how can you then take action so like Mm -hmm. the things that you're desiring can come to fruition for you Right. Because I can guarantee you there's like 7 billion people or something in the world, also not a numbers person. So like, I don't actually know, but I think it's around that like 7.8 billion or something. And like, whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to be able to find it somewhere. (laughs) Like, like Mm -hmm. even, even if you, and I always say this to people, especially because I hear a lot, like I'm in Los Angeles. Um, and I hear a lot, like, oh, there's no good dates left in LA. All the good ones are taken or like, you know, online dating sucks or this or that, which is where the mindset work comes in. But even if you account for your sexual orientation, whatever gender you're attracted to, uh, or non-gender that you're attracted to, like your location, Um, And whatever other factors you want to throw in there, you know, your spirituality, religion, what have you, there's going to be quite a number of people that fall into like all or most of those categories. And even if it's only like 50 people, it's not like any of us are going out there and doing like 50 dates in a week or maybe even a month, right? Because really like who has time for that or energy? Mm -hmm. I don't have energy for that. So There are enough people, but that is part of the mindset work. Because if you believe there are enough people, your brain is going to start finding evidence for that because that's our survival skill. It's like, oh, this is true. Let me look for all of the things that make this true. Because if we didn't have that skill, we wouldn't be here in 2021. Mm, Very good point. (laughs) One thing that I would love to ask you is... If you could say anything to our audience that would inspire them to be their own wildflower, what would that thing be? I feel like I have so many things, but I think the number (laughs) one thing, I think the number one thing is really being kind to yourself and making yourself right for everything. It's going to help you move through the guilt and the shame. It's going to help you help that journey of deconditioning be easier. It's just going to help because if I was going to sit here and beat myself up for, um, so I'm technically a relationship anarchist. So just a little, like a little lesson, ethical non-monogamy is an umbrella. It includes like polyamory, relationship, anarchy, swinging, open relationships, whatever, basically anything that's ethical and not monogamous. Um, And relationship anarchy is really looking at each relationship as an individual relationship. Like each individual relationship has different rules and guidelines and like, Mm -hmm. not rules, I don't like that, that word, but like guidelines and like boundaries and like blah, 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 blah. And they can span like romantic to platonic to business to like the entire spectrum um, sphere of like all the things that our relationships can be. But each individual unit is going to have its own guidelines and it's not following the like societally ingrained guidelines that we've been taught. 
And if I were to sit there and beat myself up for wanting to be romantic or sexual with other people, wanting to uh, cuddle with this person, but not with this person. Um, I mean, honestly, like I tell my, my husband all the time, like, please ask for my consent before you touch me, like all the time. And I mean, like, that's a big sphere. And since we've lived together for three years, like the consent can be like, you know, physical. Yes. As opposed to like verbal. Yes. But like, but like, I ask him all the time, like, please ask for my consent. And if I were to beat myself up for that, we would not get anywhere. <laughs> and not only would I be incredibly uncomfortable and traumatized, like most of the time in my own house, he would be harming me without even knowing that that is what he's doing. Cause like some of the, like some of that request comes from and boundary comes from like past traumas. But if I were to make myself wrong for that, we would be in a wrong relation. And when I say that, I mean like when you're in right relation and everything is aligned, we would be in a misaligned relation, a misaligned relationship. And he would inadvertently being, be causing harm to me because I'm causing and I would inadvertently be causing harm to myself because I'm not speaking up for my boundaries and my desires. It's so important to speak up on our desires and our needs. And that's something that like I'm working through. And I think it's something I'm going to work through my whole life because I was never taught mm -hmm. that like it's okay to express your needs and to ask for what you need um, mm -hmm. and to do so and to do so sometimes multiple times, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but you're right. Like if we don't express our needs and our wants and our desires, the other person is not going to know how they can support us. They're not going to know if they're harming us. My mom used to say something to me as a kid. It was like, if you don't tell me what it is that you need, like I can't help you. And that's what I'm thinking about here. Like if you don't express your needs, your wants and your desires to your partners, to your friends, to your family, like they're not going to know how to show up and to support you um, in the way that you truly need. They're going to show up and support you in the way that they know how to like support, like, you know what I mean? Based on like what they know or what they think they know about love and support. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's the thing. And, and especially if you've been socialized as a woman, like it's scary and it's hard because we're not taught to express those things. Right. But like, you don't have to express all of them today, this hour, mm. this second, like take it. So that's my other thing, right? It's really all about like patience and grace with yourself and with other people, but like one small step is going to bring you so much closer to wherever it is that you want to be than like trying to encompass everything in one go. I, I always have to remind myself of that because I am definitely like an all or nothing person, but like, but like really it's like celebrate and praise yourself for like, okay, cool. Like I felt uncomfortable and I expressed that today and that's my win for the day. And I'm just going to take it. And that's, and maybe tomorrow I express two things that make me uncomfortable or like two things that I'm feeling. And then that's my win for that day. And it just keeps building on itself. So like, please take it slow. Um, or don't, if you're like me and you just want to like dive right into it, just the lessons are like, oftentimes rougher when you, when you, when you just dive into it, or at the very least, like more jarring, maybe not rougher, but they're more jarring. You know, like, Oh, big lesson. Okay. But like, yeah, take it slow, be patient and give yourself kindness and grace. Oh, I love that. I love it so much. And I love the reminder of like, Hey, baby steps, you know, mm -hmm. um, just the little, PSA for everyone out here like as we take baby steps it actually like helps our nervous system get used to change you know so if we're like diving in head first that could be very like traumatic and upsetting <laughs> to our nervous system and you know we're gonna need our nervous system to help us through this process so like 
baby steps, kindness, compassion, yes. grace. I love it. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So I know you have a program that you are currently enrolling for. So I would love um, if you could share a little bit about that. Um, I, I just love it. It's called D&D guys. And it's not like Dungeons and Dragons. It's Dungeons and Dating. Like how fucking brilliant is that name? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me pull, let me pull up my sales page. Cause like I said, I don't remember anything, which isn't totally true, but like, it's so much easier when I have the notes in front of me. I love this program. This is my signature 12 week group program for really creating a solid foundation within yourself to start cultivating these great relationships, these ethical, kind, compassionate, and clear relationships. Because I think so often we get mired in like all of these narratives that we talked about over this hour long podcast or however long it is. And that's what makes it so confusing because we as humans and the way that we've been conditioned love to sit in the what if, well, I think they meant this and I think they meant that and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And though none of us ever actually talk to it, right? Like we were talking about rom-coms earlier, like that is the entire premise of a rom-com, but it is not far removed from how we actually relate with people, whether that's your parents or your partner or like your friend or whatever, we do this all the time. So part of what we go over in dungeons and dating is really like deconditioning from those narratives and looking at your uniqueness, your desires, what you need from relationships in general. Um, it is called dungeons and dating. So we do look at it through a romance lens, but like in general, what do you need from the people in your life and how can you start expressing that? And then the other thing, so each little, it's three modules, three months, and each month is a different module. But the other thing that we go through is like attracting the people you want in your life. And again, like it is through the lens of romance. So I might be talking about it more on the dating side of things, depending on like who enrolls, but really like, who do you want your friends to be? Who do you want your chosen family to be? Like all of these relationships affect us in some way over the course of our lifetime. And so it's so important to have people around you who support you and support your humanity and see you in your full humanity. And so how do you attract those people, right? Whether it's a platonic partner or a non-platonic partner. And then the last thing that we'll be working on is how to handle rejection with grace mm. and ease because rejection is a part of life. And when I created this program, I was looking at like dating rejection, right? Because that's just a part of dating. If you're available and in the dating world, like you have to accept it because either you're not going to like someone or they're not going to like you. And you're either doing the rejecting or getting rejected. But even if you're monogamous and married, even in your workspace, like you're getting little rejections all the time. If I make a bid to my husband for a cuddle or like I put my hand on his leg and he scoots away, that's a rejection. It's not big because, you know, we live together, like we see each other all the time, may not even really register. But if that happens over the course of like, like every time I like reach out to him over the course of like a month or three months or a year, like that's why we have these breakdowns in relationships because we're constantly getting rejected all the time. So if we're not aware of those things, then we are going to like, there's a reason, and I'm not saying this is the only reason, but there's a reason why the divorce rate is at like 50 or 60% because there are all these little things that affect how we relate with each other that we're not even aware of. And then once those little things build and build and build, like taking your baby steps, all of a sudden you have a huge mountain that you have to like move through or climb over or dig or dig yourself out of. And so much easier when we can see these little things and catch them before they become that mountain. And the thing that I love most about my program is that I'm not only talking about like you being rejected, but also how to move through rejecting other people with grace and ease, whether that's in the romantic space, which is like, you know, very clear cut, black and white, whatever. But also like what happens if you 
realize that you're in a toxic friendship and you need to let them go or not even a toxic friendship, but like someone that you're not aligned with anymore, right? Like what happens if you decide that like, I don't know, your spouse isn't giving you what you need in the bedroom and you have to essentially like reject their, the way that they've been loving on you and really like allowing yourself to be comfortable with rejecting other people too. Mm, I think that's so important. I was just having a conversation with my friend last night and she's like, well, I don't want to hurt them. And I'm like, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's honestly like, I know it sucks. Like we're not trying, I know you're not trying to intentionally hurt anybody, but it's part of the process, unfortunately. Part of the process. Uh, Yeah. So like we talked about in the beginning, we need to let go of that fear of hurting other people because we're going to do it. So the question is always, cause I always have to go back to this myself too, because right. It's not conditioned and it is, it is like in some ways, like the, the harder quote unquote path. Um, but only because we put all of these like narratives around it, but like hurting people is part of being human. So what is the path? that will cause less harm. That is the ethical thing. It's not no harm. What is going to cause less harm? Yes, I love it. I think the work that you are doing is so fucking beautiful and powerful. And the people who work with you in D&D, very lucky to have your support and your guidance and your wisdom. So thank you for being here. I will put all of your information, your links in the show notes. And yeah, you guys listening, thank you so much for being here. And if you liked our conversation today, be sure to go give Carrie a follow on Instagram and consider working with her. It's my pleasure. It was so fun. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to grow wild with me. I hope this episode left you with the inspiration to be your own wildflower. Until next time, remember to be like wildflowers and grow in places they don't want you to, where they've warned you not to, and where you're least expected to.